Hello, and welcome to the EIC Scaling Club podcast, where we share interesting insights from leading European deep tech entrepreneurs, investors, and industry experts. You've come to the right place. Now sit back and enjoy the podcast. Uh, today we're sitting now with Roger Havnit. He's the chief, um, well, deputy chief executive officer of the European Investment Fund. And we were here in Brussels today um, watching some announcements from the uh, European Tech Champions Initiative, or ETCI, or ETSI. Yes, indeed. Uh, we were very happy to be here. Um, two years after the initiative um, was um, presented for the first time, and one year precisely after it was officially launched, At that time, uh, we had uh, put a lot of uh, work together with um, our partners and the member states, um, but also thinking how we could uh, indeed support um, companies that um, have successfully started their business but need to grow, uh, to internationalize, expand, and therefore require more finance that they typically can get from smaller scale funds. And our idea was indeed in tune with our general approach to have um, support throughout the funding chain, um, a dedicated initiative that we wanted to do together with member states on the basis of those who wanted to join, so open, um, and um, have a significant fund of fund size. And um, uh, I must say that we are very grateful um, that under the French presidency, and thanks to Germany, France, but also Italy, Spain, and uh, Belgium at that time, um, this idea was picked up, was uh, presented as uh, a flagship under the presidency and got, therefore, impetus. And meanwhile, also, uh, the Netherlands have joined, um, and we have um, a critical um, mass, uh, I think, uh, in terms of funding available. That, however, reflects the public part, so it's um, 3.75 billion. Uh, EIB Group has also contributed to this. And um, with that, we hope to mobilize a multiple because we will be investing in funds who will then attract also crowd in private investors. And then they will invest in companies in their turn, uh, at which level you will also have other investors. So I think it's um, a healthy um, system which has been put in place where we will join forces, partner up with uh, other uh, fund managers and with uh, private investors. And we hope, therefore, to narrow a bit the gap that we are currently observing, which is still widening, I must say, towards some of the most industrialized countries. Great. Well, first of all, congratulations on the double anniversary. Uh, indeed, one, ago, uh, one year ago it was launched. Uh, what are some of the things that you've learned in the last 12 months, assumptions that you made in the beginning that turned out to be true or not? Uh, but what are some of the observations that you have, also given the difficult market conditions that we're hmm. currently grappling with? Well, I think uh, starting with the positive, um, we, we know now um, that the idea we had, the concept, um, actually um, can be turned into reality and um, that there is indeed a need for this type of funds, uh, particular and even more so in times where indeed the market conditions are difficult for fundraising, difficult for investments, difficult for exits. And therefore, it's, I think, very important that uh, also the public investors join forces and uh, show, uh, provide a signaling effect that uh, they are standing behind this, but they want to do it in partnership with the private sector. Um, I think one of the, the things we have learned is um, um, that uh, it is absolutely correct and understood by everybody that um, there are companies everywhere in the EU27 that are in phases of growth and, and they need tickets of a certain size. 
30, 40, 50 million. Therefore, you need big uh, funds. At the same time, we have learned also that um, very often member states look at it and want to see the double benefit, not only for the companies, but also for building up the ecosystem. Now, ecosystems are very different uh, across Europe. Some of them are more advanced than others. Some countries uh, are also bigger than others. And therefore, we probably need over time, and that's one of the positive lessons, but maybe of the, the points where we need to do more, we need to probably complement initiatives like this one to also have um, things which are uh, giving also smaller member states the possibility to bring up their ecosystem so that ultimately they will have the type of funds that can benefit from Etsy. Mm -hmm. So that's also where we are reflecting on. Yeah. But I mean, you mentioned smaller member states, but of course, Belgium and the Netherlands are already relatively small. Um, how do you hope to attract other member states across Europe? Because I was kind of expecting uh, the announcement this morning also to be around more support uh, from individual member states. So, uh, indeed, we have talked to, to many member states, and um, I think at, um, initially at least 22 member states uh, had single interest. Uh, and most of them have confirmed to us they are still interested in this type of initiative, but they would like to have um, slightly smaller uh, fund sizes uh, authorized as well. This comes also at a time where uh, I think politically there's a debate, uh, and um, which is also crystallized in the Belgian presidency um, uh, 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 initiative, that we need overall in Europe to uh, reindustrialize and put a focus on strategic autonomy. So apart from the, the scale-up gap, which is about size, we also hear a lot that we need to focus on these uh, areas which are deep tech, which are uh, key, the key technologies for Europe. And we are thinking along those lines how we can serve also the other member states who have expressed interest. I cannot tell you all the member states, but I've um, met quite a few and also um, our CEO at a very high level, ministerial level, and we have... Um, very positive vibes that they would be interested if we can bring together indeed the ecosystem with the benefit to the uh, bigger companies. Now, the funds that are benefiting or going to benefit from this initiative are large funds. Um, there are you know, up to 1 billion euros uh, funds. There aren't that many of those in Europe. Is the goal also to create more of these by actually you know, sort of accelerating the fundraising process through the initiative? Or do you have already enough investors with that ambition and that scope? No, I think you, you hit, uh, you're hitting the nail here. I mean, we had very few. I mean, when we started, uh, you could uh, count them on the hand uh, and even less compared to the rest, where <laughs> significantly higher number. And uh, the idea was indeed to have more of this type of funds. Now, this doesn't come through wishful thinking. So we have created a conducive, I think, framework where we are also putting quite some money on the table so that funds which are maybe close to 700 million or 750 million can grow into 1 billion. The idea is indeed to have 1 billion funds. We have some which are bigger, so it's not that we stop at 1 billion. We would love to have in 2 billion funds, but um, the idea was here that we, we help basically the funds with the, the money, but also with the catalytic effect we can have, and by being closely associated um, from the start in the fundraising and helping them also to implement investor uh, acceptable terms in the best way, to give the signal to other investors. And the idea is, of course, um, the more private investors and others we, we get on board, the more we are happy. It's not that we want, basically... To be the only investors, we always look at the catalytic effect, but it's true that if you put the money on the table at the beginning, it um, 
it helps certainly in the fundraising. Yeah, definitely a good uh, incentive. Um, how much has been deployed so far? Like, I know there's a big pipeline, but how much has it already yeah. been put to work? So um, we we have two levels. So at the level of the funds, it's, it's not deployment, but we have fundraising. So we have invested um, close to 900 million, and mm -hmm. the funds themselves will need to raise 5.7 billion correspond to that, and they are pretty much on track for that now. Clearly, I mentioned before 3.75, so we have firepower. And again, we expect that this will be leveraged in the same um, order of magnitude. So we are talking about substantial amounts. What has been invested by these funds? So three of them have invested so far. Not only signed, but they have started their, their, their investment program and they have reached out so far in nine companies, which given the time frame is good, I must say. And they have invested close to one billion. Now, they have clearly uh, uh, enough firepower to do much more, so you will see uh, over the next months uh, an increase from the funds we have already supported, but you will see also more funds will, which will go through the same process. And the idea is indeed that we reach out um, to a significant number of, of um, portfolio companies over time, but that doesn't happen in year one because yeah. there's a whole chain, a whole cascade, but we are very happy that we are on time with this and that... Uh, also, the companies that we see are very robust and companies really which are in the area of strategic autonomy. Yeah, definitely off to a great start. Now, I think I remember uh, from the announcement that the, the objective was to mobilize uh, 10 billion euros uh, worth of um, uh, capital. Um, also, I think minimum 15, uh, maybe even 20 uh, funds in total. How close are you to that objective and, and you know, when, when will we get there? Okay, um, I think 10 billion, if you look at the level of the funds where we want to mobilize um, 10 or 15 billion, I think we, as I said, we are at 5.9 now, uh, and we are uh, one force basically into the program. So I'm more than confident that we will <laughs> outperform this. Um, when it comes to, 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 to the companies, uh, the, the same is true. I mean, it's a process, of course, where you have uh, certain layers, but which have um, an advantage and disadvantage. Of course, it takes slightly longer because you invest first in the funds, then the funds in the companies, um, and that um, uh, requires due diligence at the various levels. But once the program is, is, is started, and it's not the case, uh, you can also uh, see that the numbers increase quite um, fast because uh, the more funds you add, the more capacity you build, and the more they can invest in companies. So I think you will see an acceleration of the program. Another question is whether at the level of the fund of funds we could also leverage. This is currently not in the cards because we have uh, created this as a pilot first with the public uh, sector to see how it works. But the idea is that um, later uh, in the process, maybe in three years' time or so, we'll also consider how we can leverage um, at the level of a fund of fund. That needs to be discussed, though, and agreed with all the, uh, the member states but uh, we see uh, conceptually here a potential to have leverage at different levels. So we could have private, um, in principle, at the level of a fund or fund, at the level of the funds, and at the level of the SMEs. And then you really can imagine how much firepower this would give. Mm -hmm. So what we are testing now, and I think it's tested and tried to some extent, it's working. But once we are really confident, is how we can um, scale this up or replicate it. So I said before, maybe in certain variants uh, for the needs of uh, different types of member states, 
and then benefit from the triple leverage. And that would really mean that taxpayers' money get really a lot of impact for each euro that we have raised. I asked earlier, uh, do we have enough funds in Europe um, for this initiative? The other question is, do we have enough scale-ups in Europe uh, for these funds to effectively deploy all that firepower? I would say two things on this. There are two types of of, um, target groups. One is, of course, um, the unicorns, the big, big champions that make it to, uh, I mean, valuations which are really extraordinary and create uh, massive amounts of uh, of new and highly skilled jobs. And we have quite a few. Uh, Actually, we are invested in, uh, I don't know how many, 130 or so. Yeah. But um, let's not forget that scale-ups can also be a bit smaller. We have many companies that may have a valuation of 20 or 40 or 50 million and will not necessarily become a unicorn, and you heard it today, but who could become really generators of innovation uh, and, and job creation as well. And we, we believe that both need to be served, both target groups. In Europe, uh, and again, I make reference to what um, the experts on the field told us today, I mean, we have um, thousands of such companies which are really um, in good hands. They have expertise, but not necessarily the access to the finance, and it's clear it's, they won't get it necessarily for, for through, through debt finance from banks. It requires equity. And if you can build up the market for the various types of scale-ups, um, I think we, we, we are then on track of fulfilling our mission namely to support EU policies and grow competitiveness, strategic autonomy and innovation. So we are certainly articulating the, a variety of products. This year is for the high-end scale-up, but let's not forget that scale-up in itself does not necessarily uh, mean we limit ourselves to the um, very exceptional companies, which we want to, to support, but also to many thousands of other companies yeah. in Europe. Um, One thing that I didn't hear a lot today, it's also not part of your mandate, but I do want to bring it up, is that there is a very, very difficult exit market. Um, You know, IPOs are still very far and few between. Uh, There's not a lot of acquisitions of, uh, you know, monster size uh, happening these days, uh, maybe not even in the near future. So that, of course, puts pressure on on the European ecosystem as, as well. Pumping more money into the system won't necessarily solve that problem. So how do you think we can sort of alleviate that barrier? Now, it is true that currently we are in a particular market situation, but um, let's not forget that two years ago it was radically different. So there is indeed quite some volatility in the market, and depending on how inflation and interest rates evolve, um, the the market may change. Uh, But uh, this being said, it's clear that uh, the the message we get from the hundreds of fund managers in which we are invested is that uh, this, or last year at least, was very difficult. Uh, both in terms of fundraising, uh, but also in terms of investments they do, because they need to have enough reserves to invest in the uh, very performing companies. And um, if they can't raise more funds, they need to be very parsimonious on this, but also in terms of exits. Uh, I must say, um, we uh, have quite a portfolio, several billion invested, including with own funds. And um, it was not a disaster on our side, but we are mindful that on the market uh, it is uh, difficult. So one thing is that uh, I think we need to signal that we are there in these difficult times uh, for for fundraising and and, uh, help uh, and play uh, not necessarily only a pro-cyclical role, but also help very good funds to, to raise the money. 
The second one is that we are looking um, at exit possibilities. Now, one of the typical market uh, opportunities is secondaries. We are active in this, but let's not overstate the importance of it because secondaries uh, is certainly accepted, but it is um, representing a very small portion actually of the overall market, around 2%, growing a little bit. And uh, we see a potential to become active, and we have done it also in the past, but it will not solve in itself. Um, my view is for the exit, A, you need to have a functioning market across the finance chain. Because those who suffer most are the most vulnerable ones, are those where they have not reached the break-even point, companies which uh, have super innovative business concepts, but uh, where they depend really on, on the funding um, by high-risk um, uh, prone uh, venture capital companies. And if they um, don't see an exit market in the next round, well, they might risk indeed uh, dying. So it's important to, to think about also the next in the chain and so on. That's why we believe that you need to build up a market um, not only on primary market failures, but across all the various market failures which are different. So that could help. But it's true that currently um, many comp uh, funds are, are a bit um, careful uh, how they use the money. Um, and it's reflected also in, um, in a correction of the market. Now, to some extent, um, this may be healthy because you always have also some bubbles. And I believe um, two, three years ago, I remember that we had paper value, which was extremely high. We were counting on it. We were giving the message, um, let's not take this uh, for cash. But, um, uh, and there have been some adjustments, not massive, but still. But I think now you have really wonderful uh, propositions on the market in Europe. You have really solid companies with sound fundamentals. And I think it's a time we see of opportunities. I think that what we will be investing now through ETCI and other initiatives will be at uh, very acceptable valuations. And therefore, I see quite some upside potential in it overall. There will always be those who will not survive. That's in the nature of venture capital, which is highly selective. But I think you have really reasonable um, uh, market opportunities and you have less overfunding, mm -hmm. which happened also at time. Yeah, things got quite crazy, that's for sure. Um, well, thank you for the message of positivity. I'm going to wrap up the discussion with one final question. Um, you've spent uh, quite a, a huge chunk of your career uh, at the European Commission. Um, so I will ask you, the European Commission, of course, has its own program with the EIC and the EIC fund in particular. What is the relationship between the EIF and the EIC funds in that regard? Well, uh, we have certainly in common the Commission, who is a shareholder also of us to start with, and who is very much um, um, looking at coherence um, in what we are doing to making sure that um, uh, we have um, consistent approaches and making sure that uh, the money uh, is spent in the appropriate way at the various levels of development. EIC is very upstream, um, meaning that they are looking at uh, companies that... Uh, are very, very good and um, uh, have come successfully out of the research programs. And they want, um, over time, to build them into companies that can receive venture capital financing and fly on their own. And we welcome that, to be clear. And we are in constant discussions. I recently met the CEO of um, the EIC, Mr. Michiel. So, um, and we are looking at how we, we can bridge the gap, which is still there. Um, they go some way uh, in providing uh, equity and bringing uh, private investors on board. I think that is very, very healthy. There's also an investment pipeline, as we also have um, 
pipelines and, and portfolio companies. I think the type of events that were suggested today where maybe some of the companies and investors are brought together can be very helpful. So we, we see this as a, an avenue, another one to share more information. We have through the group, because EIB is advising and um, making um, the assessment of companies uh, for EIC, uh, but uh, so implementing, uh, we have of course uh, direct contacts on, 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 on the process and seeing how we can feed the pipeline into our process, but knowing that we are really dealing with a, a market term oriented, uh, non-grant based financial instruments that are delivered through uh, partners on the ground. But I think it's a very important initiative. And it does exactly what I said before. You need to have at the beginning also the sourcing of companies, because if you are not there, something is missing. You will not feed into the pipeline of our type of, of companies. Yeah, it's a whole supply chain, isn't yeah. it? Okay, uh, final message to the fund managers out there. Well, I think that um, they will accompany us on this journey. We invite them uh, to, to really uh, participate, to work with us, uh, give us the positive, but also the, the, the lessons learned part, as we did today. And I think this is the beginning. For me, it's not the end. You asked me about what will happen afterwards. I think we see this as a process where we have now opened the door. But certainly much more needs to be done if uh, tomorrow you want to be on par with the U.S. and other industrialized companies. Let's not forget that venture capital at the end of the day represents overall less than 0.1% of GDP in Europe, whereas last year in the U.S. it was 0.65. Mm -hmm. So it's a long way still to go. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and best of luck with everything. Thank you very much. The pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the EIC Scaling Club podcast. For more interesting insights on European deep tech, subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and our newsletter on EICScalingClub.eu. See you. See you.